Welcome to these bonus episodes of the Test Him podcast. Test Him Stories is about getting men to come and chat with us about their fertility stories. We hope by sharing men's experiences, it will help more men feel confident to talk openly about the real truths of fertility as a man. We've got some incredibly open and honest conversations for you to listen to. We hope you enjoy these and that it opens up your mind and helps more people get a proper understanding of what fertility is truly like for a man. Frank, welcome to the Testing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, we were just chatting about before we came, came online. Um, kind of, it's, it's a bit new to you in terms of kind of speaking up on these kind of platforms. Um, Very much so, yeah. It's been sort of the last, maybe since January, I started to blog. I started to blog about it. And then gradually, as I started to blog more and kind of share mm. my story, just on the kind of socials, I started then to pick up and gain confidence, I guess, to kind of ask people and um, whether or not, you know, I could I could chat. Yeah. But this one round came from, yeah, Man Cave or whatever that you, you kind yeah, of heard. That's how, I, really yeah. that's how I found you, yeah, from from Kev, Kev Button and the Man Cave doing some great work in terms of yeah. sp- spreading the word. And it's like, yep, Frank needs to come and join us on, on the testing podcast. So, uh, yeah, good. how are you finding it, kind of blogging and chatting and, and now being more open about your fertility? How's that been? I think for me, it was, it's been a real personal journey. I think having, obviously we'll get into the the details later, but kind of dealing with, I guess it's a bit of a traumatic experience in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, being told that you're in male infertility is going to mean you can't conceive naturally. And I think for me, I've got a co-active coach outside of work. I work for a, a mental health organization. So I've got lots of points where I can have conversations I feel like I do have a good support bubble around me but I I I I came up with a bit of a well an anonymous social account so I'm Mm. Peter twin dad ultimately I wasn't too confident or sure about how to kind of share my story Mm. share my journey with people that I knew and I wanted to get into the community yeah potentially you know share my story to help others as I gradually came to terms with it I guess and it has been it's been really positive for me just to be able to kind of deal with some of the emotions that I was having to kind of mm. deal with yeah those experiences and have a, a safe space I guess and that's been the thing for me is speaking to people hearing their hearing their stories and being able to then yeah feel safe to kind of share mine has, has ultimately yeah. got me to feel more confident in in myself again and and yeah hopefully because it's, it's a big step isn't it really for a guy to actually speak up and talk about what he's going through you know to go from kind of oh, i'm just a normal bloke doing you know going around doing my own business you know minding my own business and then you know you get a infertility diagnosis or a fertility problem to then suddenly step out into the big wide world and say hey this is me and this is what's going on it's uh yeah a huge step and do you feel a lot better now having kind of shared your story or begun to share your story Definitely. I mean, it's been a couple of years now and I remember kind of getting told, I remember the situation that I was in and I remember I found it very difficult to build up the courage to speak to friends. In fact, I only confided in two two friends that I knew that, you know, wouldn't get a reaction. There wouldn't mm. be kind of any mickey taken or anything like that. And it took me far longer to be able to speak to my brother and my dad about it. And so this now is, yeah, I'm kind of a year and a half, two years on, and just being able to kind of 
have an open conversation, to feel more confident, to know that other people are going through it as well. And I guess, mm. yeah, it's definitely helped in terms of me feeling better about myself, me feeling more equipped and me feeling, I guess, um, more aware of what is available, what support should be available. Yeah. As I've mentioned when I've spoken to you before, I'm still, I'm still trying to find out um, the issue that I had and the reasons why I was suffering from male infertility. Yeah. Um, so it's been a long old journey and I guess it's yeah empowering for me yeah and, and in some ways obviously we, we've had a chat before we jumped on here um and like I said we'll get into your story yeah. now but in some ways you're kind of doing it almost kind of back to front aren't you in that you know um you've had success through fertility mm. treatment and you're a father to um twins mm-hmm. um which is absolutely incredible. And that was off your first IVF cycle, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's quite amazing and, and unusual in itself. But actually, it's only now that you're going back to try and find out what on earth was wrong in the first place. So I think for me, that's quite unusual. I haven't come across mm. many stories like that where people have had success and now they're like, well, what was actually wrong? So yeah, that's quite, quite unique, I think. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I guess when I went in and I said before, like I I went in thinking I'm going to rule out that there's anything wrong with me. So my partner and I were trying to conceive and Mm. I was very overconfident now knowing (laughs) I kind of went into it like, look, let's make sure that, you know, we'll rule everything out that I'm fine and it's all okay. And then we'll kind of deal with, deal with you. And in fact, actually it kind of came back all on me. And then, yeah, to, to kind of have the, the conversation was very short and sweet from the NHS in terms of what was going to happen. They sort of said, there's something wrong. And I asked what, and they said, we'll probably never know. Um, right. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of, it could be one of a, a number of things. The best thing for you to do is go through IVF. But for me, when there's a bit of a problem, I'm quite a, I'm a problem solver in my work right. in, in everyday life. And for me, I just, I still wanted to know. And even though, we were lucky in our situation to go through one successful cycle. We were lucky that we had kind of people surrounding us that could help financially for us to do it privately with everything mm. that was going on with the NHS at the time, having just come out of lockdown. And I think sitting there and being told by a doctor, you know, next step, we'll get you speaking to someone around IVF and me still mm. asking, but what is wrong? Like, will we yeah. ever find out what's actually wrong? And I, I'm glad because ultimately, as I say, speaking to the community and finding more information about you know what what help and what treatment is available potentially has helped me to kind of continue and advocate for myself mm. where I can only feel that others maybe don't know you know what's available and they get told that and they will never know so yeah and, and are you only finding that information now so since you've had the twins is it only now that you're like oh actually here's some other tests I could have done or these these are the other things that I should have looked at it's only now that you're looking at that yeah I looked back on the dates just before coming and it was sort of August 2021 that I had my first semen analysis and October 2021 that I had the second. And then they uh, put me in touch with someone from the NHS to talk about Mm -hmm. IVF. And I had my first appointment with with them then. So it was around October, November time. Mm -hmm. And they then sort of mentioned the next steps and the next meeting would be with somebody to talk about the IVF and procedure have another semen analysis through the through the NHS as well. And that appointment never happened for one reason or another. They continued to cancel it, move right. it. 
Um, I mean, I'm on a system that's online. I'm getting these emails back and forth saying, no, we've moved it again. It's moved again. It's moved again. And then in January 2022, we started our first round of IVF. Mm. And it wasn't until last month or a couple of months ago that I then finally had an appointment with the NHS that stayed and went in and spoke to the doctor. And he said, I can see it's been over a year since we last spoke what's happened and I was like well in that time I've had a a round of successful private IVF and my boys are now 10 months old I've got twins yeah and he was quite shocked uh and sort of you know like oh my god oh my god well well, congratulations but okay so what do you want from this appointment and I was like I'm still really keen to know what's wrong and at that point he said there was a test he said have you had your ultrasound on your testes and Mm. I said no and he said well that surprises me because sometimes it's linked with cancer um so i felt like there was something that should have been done way 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 at the mm. beginning um and i'm well yeah I've, I've i've basically just had the results from that and now i've got a follow-up on the 23rd of this month so by the time that comes the boys are almost a year old wow well, honestly it really is completely ass about face isn't it but yeah you know th- but this is so incredibly common in the fertility uh arena or, or, or system you know that Guy goes for semen analysis, semen analysis is poor, guy gets referred to IVF clinic, you know, so you end up in front of a gynecologist. So, you know, when you, you know, I I like that point of, I'm going to go to the GP and I'm going to have a semen analysis just to confirm that I'm absolutely fantastic and there's nothing wrong with me. You know, that, that was your attitude. Well, I don't know if that was entirely your attitude, but, you know, you, there was nothing in your mind that actually before you did that semen analysis, there was nothing in your mind that sort of made you think, oh, it could be me. My partner and I, when we started, I mean, we, we've we been together now 10 years. So it was sort of, we were together for eight years and had been talking about our jobs, our roles and everything. So it had been a conversation into when we were likely to start a family. And for me, you know, at the time for both of us, it was a case of as soon as we decide we can start. And I think mm. part of what I've experienced as well and knowing having follow-up conversations when I've spoken to friends before they've sort of said you know when they started they got their partner pregnant straight away you know oh it's Mm. easy we just had to look at each other from across the room like quite laddish behavior so as we start as we started trying to conceive starting to try and make a family and realize that it wasn't happening straight away it became quite stressful Mm. and I think that you know throughout those different stages it then got to a point of thinking okay should we just go and get checked out there might be there might be something wrong Mm. and uh, we had people that we knew that were trying at a similar time and they had tried to speak to a doctor about their situation and been told you need to have been trying for 18 months to 24 months so we contacted and said we've been trying for 18 months and it had been Mm. around seven eight nine months I think that we had actually been trying Mm. um and when I got the results, I remember my partner shared with me a, a James O'Brien story. So he also suffered from male infertility. Mm. And his article was all about his partner and him had been trying for two years, two and a half years, and he didn't want to go because he didn't want to find out anything that impacted him negatively. Like he didn't want yeah. to know. Whereas me, it was exactly the other way around. That I was so overconfident in the situation <laughs> about myself that it was almost now. Yeah, I just look back and think, God, um, that was definitely misplaced. But otherwise, I might not have gone had I not have had that confidence. I wouldn't have been able yeah. to find out, and the story wouldn't have been, you know, the uh, the Theo and Ezra, my my twin boys. But 
Still so, so what was it like then? So you'd gone in with that confidence, and I, I, I have spoken to men that have been like this and, and gone in thinking, oh, you know, oh, great, I, I can't wait to get this test. I'm going to have super sperm, and, and they've been whacked between the eyes with the result that it's not what they thought it was going to be. Um, how was it for you when you kind of got that call of, okay, you haven't, you know, your sperm count was incredibly low, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, it was 0.7. Um, and the phone call that I got, we were driving back from holiday. We had five days away somewhere. Mm. So I was on the road. I was expecting their call. It was a Friday. We were traveling home and the doctor didn't relay much information. They didn't send the results. He basically said, look, I'm just reading through now. I can see that your sperm count is way below the the normal amount. Um, and so, you know, the rest of it, I don't really listen to. We're waiting until we can ask questions and then said, yeah. you know, what happens? Are we going to be able to conceive? And he said, it's very unlikely you're going to conceive naturally. What we would recommend is IVF, but mm. we'll get a follow-up with the doctor and you can have a more detailed conversation about your results. So that was in another like week or two. And I remember mm. we were out for a meal at Nando's and my partner had obviously done a load of research, Googled up what all of those results meant. Whereas mm. I'm very much, let's wait and see what the doctor says. We'll be able to then ask questions. I won't worry myself to sleep at night. So I'd put it mm. out of my mind. And, uh, and I said, well, why have you, have you, you know, have you looked, have you researched it? And she said, yeah, that number is, you know we're not going to be able to conceive basically that mm. number is is so low that it's likely we're going to have to start discussing sort of ivf and looking at other ways of conceiving yeah. completely ruin the mill um and also just the kind of impact i guess again because i had to wait to have those conversations but actually it was a very similar conversation in you know when i finally met with the mm. doctor because again it was just that we'll recommend ivf there was nothing more about the investigations yeah. or anything like that and was was that kind of head in the sand time for you it's like okay if i don't google this if i don't look it up i haven't got to address this or was it actual great mental strength that you're like okay i'm gonna wait until i see the, the professionals in I, I i think for me it was more uh i know like i work for a mental health charity so mm. i know that if there's too much in the way of overthinking before actually being able to analyze it with a professional that can have a real negative impact so for mm. me i was i was just putting it off but putting it off with with trying to avoid it so that i didn't worry myself yeah um, and thinking that 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 then there would at least be able to be a strategy in place speaking mm -hmm. to a healthcare person they would be able to give me the exact ins and outs and then they would make a nice little plan for me to get me better or to put me on the next steps. And um, I think for me, yeah, it was more so just like, let's let's wait until we hear from a doctor. But I think ultimately, like it takes a little while. It's only now that I'm really processing my feelings at the time. Mm. I think there's a whole load of shame that I was experiencing at the time and a whole load of guilt. And I mm. think the the kind of, we recommend IVF and not looking into it was then because of the emotions that I was experiencing. It was like, I'm just going to take what you say and I'm going to go with it. Mm. I didn't want to look at what else, what other tests I could do. And again, now a year and a half, you know, two years on, I have that confidence and I, I have, I'm in a community where I'm, I'm aware, but at the time in some, you know, going through that traumatic experience and in so much shock, that I found it really difficult. And in some ways I was kind of grateful to go straight into IVF because I had another focus. And mm. though it was me and the male infertility factor, 
I was able then to look at my partner because ultimately anybody that's gone through IVF was preparing to it's it's all the kind of down to the female Mm. um, in terms of getting ready so yeah for me I, I don't think I dealt with it until much much later I think at the time I just moved all of my thoughts and feelings onto kind of right I can support I can yeah. support my partner. So when when did that come out for you then in terms of kind of the mental health and or, or the kind of the psychological impact of your diagnosis? I, I think really fairly recently. So I say you know I was writing at the time. I mean ultimately because it was a successful round and we were preparing for pregnancy, there were a whole mm. load of other things and like the shock of finding out it was twins when we only transferred one embryo mm. we had an early because it was IVF. We had an early scan. It was one healthy baby, healthy heartbeat. Next time we went in, the embryo had split and it was two. Mm. Uh, so then there was a shock of like, Oh yeah. my goodness, there's going to be two of them. And we had had the only reason why we transferred one is because we'd had the chat um, and thought that two, two would be one too many. Um, <laughs> again, yeah, it's weird that we have these conversations as if they are black and white, yeah. um, but then, so after that, and now the boys are slightly older, uh, I've kind of revisited it and I actually attended a, a comedy for thought course fairly recently, which was put together by a psychotherapist and somebody that used to, or the founder of Jonglers, a comedy club. And she oh, basically yeah. put together a, a safe space for men to talk because ultimately, you know, there's this cliche that men don't talk, but mm-hmm. ultimately if you create an environment for them, they definitely will. Yeah. And um, this comedy for thought was all about that. So learning public speaking, learning confidence, being able to chat about your kind of experiences and mental health in a safe environment with other guys. And it was really good to kind of think about it in another way. Ultimately, you're going in, you're looking at different comedians, how they how they do comedy, and then mm. you're writing about certain things. And for me, I can remember the first couple of things that I wrote about was kind of family, those difficult conversations that I, mm-hmm. that I found it really hard to kind of come to terms with. VAR at the time I was taken over by the kind of football piece (laughs) video (laughs) assistance referee and had nothing to do with this and then ultimately it just started to flow about my kind of situation and I said how difficult it was to kind of pull in and speak to friends about it Mm. I confided in two and then built up it took me ages working with a a, working with a coach to build up the courage to speak to and update my dad and my brother on the situation Mm and found that I was writing all of these details about the semen analysis, going in, getting the results and IVF and being able to just stand up in front of this group of 10 to 12 men and share my story. And it was well received. People were asking mm-hmm. questions about it, but people were also laughing about it. And and it wasn't until then that I think I really had actually had a proper conversation about all of those feelings, emotions that I'd gone through ridiculously so that it was kind of in a in a bit of a hopefully a kind of comedic uh, mm. expression well comedy is a great way isn't it of, of kind of breaking the ice or or breaking a kind of difficult subject you know i think comedy is absolutely fantastic for that so you know it's just i guess that was just the way you found that's the group that you found that worked for you and i think that's quite a common theme when we when we chat to guys about what they've gone through is you know, if they find somebody to talk to or somewhere to talk, it makes such a difference. So whether it's comedy, whether it's just a mate that you can confide in, whether it's a support group, yeah. whatever it is, uh, it's just actually being able to verbalise what you're going through and people to acknowledge that. And you say people were laughing, like they're laughing with you, weren't they? They weren't laughing at you. you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And amazingly for you, that went on to 
uh, you actually done a little short stand-up sketch, didn't it? Yeah, so at the end of it, we put on a, a show again in front of like friends and family, invited them down. So there were 40 to 50 people. Wow. And I mean, the anxiety, it was all, all for the good of your mental health. The anxiety that I experienced the day before and the night, like I was I was not going to do it so many times, but I'm so, so grateful that I did. Um, I went in and yeah, everything landed really well. Again, it, it felt it felt really positive to be talking about it. Mm. Um and uh, it was a cup. I mean, it was after I'd done it, and obviously after like you know people coming up and congratulating, and the 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 Maria um, who came up with it was sort of saying she's heard lots of comedians before, but nothing quite like that because it's <laughs> an interesting subject yeah. matter, um, and that filled me with a bit of confidence. But it wasn't until sort of two three weeks later that I thought I would actually share. I didn't want to share with friends and family again straight away, so I yeah. put it in the Him Fertility group. Um, on Facebook, which again I hadn't known about while I was going through this, it was yeah. wasn't until later that I found like again that safe space to be able to share your stories, and I put it in there and got some likes, got some comments, and actually it was that was how I kind of met Kev um, from Man Cave that he got in touch and said, you know, it'd be really interesting to have an Insta live of you and chat about this because mm. his interest was comedy, and again then it's kind of created this little safe group bubble or whatnot, but I think you know the joke like making a joke about it it is still a difficult even though mm. i've experienced it it's still a difficult subject and i think if you're going to start talking about your infertility you have to approach that subject it doesn't just come up in conversation it's not that no. you know, some oh this actually leads on nicely to me talking about my infertility you have to put it out there and that can be a really difficult and hard thing to do mm. and i think by having jokes uh, I mean mine is around my lack of semen and I named I named them after England football players to make me feel better and didn't realize until it was too late that I'd named them after England football players that fluff up their lines missing penalties etc mm. and um, I think having that subject matter again we're talking about like lots of men and the kind of lad 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 but having them as England football players it makes it kind of relatable for some people you can talk about yeah. football you can talk about your infertility and I think after that it has given me a real confidence to to share more and to speak up more because yeah well aware that some people aren't in a position to aren't comfortable and aren't confident to but there's yeah there's lots that's happening like what you're doing with test him thank you yeah yeah well I think you know I think it's important to say isn't it kind of you know you've used comedy as that's been your way of being able to to talk and, and open up about this and it's kind of there is always that fear of actually when you do open up to somebody that you get banter back from them. And actually it's important to note, I think, isn't it for, you know, maybe there's people listening to this who haven't ever had a conversation with somebody who's, who's gone mm. through infertility that banter and, and a laugh about this stuff is okay. When I guess the person that's going through it is leading that it's not that, okay, you go and tell your brother or your best mate and they turn around and say, don't worry, mate, I'll get your wife pregnant. That, doesn't work yeah a hundred percent i think i mean i my advice would be to pick them off individually i think when you get if you if you're kind of talking about it in a crowd that's when and people can be nervous about it i think my experience with my dad talking to him i think he just wasn't experienced enough to be able to talk about it so he went straight no. to banter um my brother was very good but yeah I, I kind of was worried about and got the reaction that i thought would happen with my dad but you know dealing with it I think that that's actually not 
that's not sinister. It's not malicious. It in, in fact, is because it's not a subject he's probably spoken about before. Mm. Um, so I think I kind of picked off mine individually and spoke to friends individually. And that, again, meant that it was a one-way conversation. You know, there's no one to tr try and make a bit of banter to and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. But when when I shared the comedy in, in my kind of WhatsApp group of friends, um, one of them replied from, from Jaffa to Gaffer. And right. I still, I, I mean, even though I'd been through all of this process, it still impacted me for a yeah. little while. Um, and, you know, for me, my situation, like I own the situation and I, I'm well aware that I wouldn't have the twins if it wasn't for this journey, even with what's going on in the background with hopefully finding out some results and potentially being able to um, repair some of some of the issues. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's still something that takes you by surprise in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm much further along and I am confident, confident and comfortable. Mm. I'm talking about it more, but it can still, it can still really hurt and, you know, get me emotional from time to time. If, yeah. If people, yeah. But yeah. It, it sounds to me like that, that, that course, you know, we've got the comedy course for, for, for whatever it was you know, in terms of its title. It sounds like that came out at the perfect time, actually. And that's allowed you to deal with this pretty, pretty quickly, actually, kind of like you say, everything that happened, you went into the IVF, you had the twins, um, you know, it, it's all happened very quickly and it's not given you much time to think about it. Then actually you've gone straight into this course as well. Um, so you've, and, and also working for a mental health charity as well, I guess it's, it's probably given you a lot of tools. So it almost sounds like you've, and I don't want to kind of underplay what you've been through, but it almost sounds like you've gone through it quite smoothly and quite quickly. Does it feel like that to you or not? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And again, I try, I, my awareness is the fact that I have been in a very privileged position. Because, like I say, I have, I work in for a mental health charity that we do regular well being check ins. So, my manager, uh, the first 10 minutes of the meeting is about my health and well being. Are you taking time Brilliant. out for yourself, regular breaks? And I just think about people that are going through this, experiencing this, working for different sectors. You know, my partner and I, she was very good at it. If, if a partner isn't able to deal with it in quite the same way, there's so many different situations, different environments which will mean someone else's journey is impacted so much worse or, or feels so much worse. So I do feel that, yeah, there were things in the right place for me and it has been mm. a quick process to get to where I am. I'm getting to a point where I've just recently put the kind of blog on LinkedIn, which is my, mm. my work. Um, and, you know, I've got previous, that was all about the work that I was doing. And I've got to a point where I'm confident enough to kind of share my, uh, my, uh, website and some of the information on there and I think the kind of next stage for me will be kind of going live on my personal Instagram account uh -huh. and it, it is getting there as I say it's still I mean part of the conversation that I was having on uh, a man cave chat recently with Gareth again another guy who's really like owns it and that's the mm. point I think I would like to get to so it's been a very short process for me I mean it's been a year and a half it's been a felt like a short journey and I've had like you say, the right tools, that Comedy for Thought program was exactly the right program for me at exactly mm. the right time to allow me to kind of process lots of those things. But it's still yeah. definitely ongoing. Um, and I feel like hopefully the next thing will be the understanding of my results and a follow-up with the NHS and hopefully going from there. Maybe that will give a bit of closure on the journey as well because for, for me, part of this whole process has been, is it something that was fixable? 
and is yeah. it something that you know would have been reversible and and how does that look at you for, at the moment at you know at this moment in time obviously you know we're, we're very much capturing your story at a moment in time now so you've gone back you've had a varicocele scale you've had an ultrasound scan haven't you yeah. um but i guess i guess no the question is like how are you going to feel knowing you know or, or let's say you find out well, we have found out because I've seen your results. You've shared them with me that you have got a varicocele. You've got a hydrocele on the other testicle. Yeah. How does it feel knowing that that was potentially an issue, that that issue may well have impacted your sperm quality and that it's an entirely treatable issue that may have negated you needing IVF at all? How does that feel kind of almost retrospectively looking back? I think from having a look and waiting for the results, and again, where I was at the beginning of this journey and not looking at anything, this time around, I've got confidence in myself. I was prepared to kind of Google, explore mm-hmm. what some of the results might have meant. Very fortunate to have been speaking to you at the same time and you kind of shared. But I think for me, I having a look at the um, the varicocele and, and the kind of operation, if it was to be fixed, would have been the same amount of time as it took from semen analysis for us to start a round of IVF. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's something there, which, and again, so grateful for the journey because it's obviously resulted in the two boys, but I do question and wonder whether or not if the conversation had been different and they had instead referred us to have, or referred me to have an ultrasound earlier, whether mm-hmm. instead what would have happened is I maybe had an operation recovered and then we went back to, Conceive, trying to conceive naturally again I don't know what would happen with the results but I think that's been for me playing around in my head um, and again it's that point of you know problem solving and is it something that was fixable treatable at the time mm. and if not had I have known you know then all of these next steps would have been um, would have been fine but yeah that's always been the thing for me and we've got again through our sit through our situation and IVF, we've got six embryos that are currently right. frozen. So the conversation is if in future, indeed we were ever going to be in a place where we wanted to talk about children um, or another child, then, you know, would it be an embryo or would that be possible to conceive naturally? That's a kind of open-ended question. Yeah, that's quite, that's quite a, quite a confusing thing to get your head around I'd have thought isn't it as, as a man it's like, okay right do I want to actually carry on down this road of investigations and trying to fix my own sperm or actually oh we've got these embryos why 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 go through all of that possible pain and recovery period for you we could just well we'll just pop one of those embryos back in and, <laughs> and just hope, hope it's not twins again you know but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, or maybe or maybe hope for twins again who knows you know um yeah it's a, it's a strange situation to be in I'd have thought I, I feel like this has added to that kind of guilt because, again, my awareness from being in the community and awareness of other people's situations might not end like mine. And so I mm. feel a bit like an imposter sort of having this conversation now. I've been very lucky, very fortunate that we were able to go through private and have our twins. Why now am I looking into this still? Because we've had a really positive result. Mm. Um, and it is that kind of he- health issue piece. But, yeah, that's the kind of thing that keeps on playing. I feel a bit guilty for wanting to fix this. I don't necessarily think after the kind of experience with the twins, I don't know how ready we'll be to think about another child for for many, many years, especially with all the prices rising and stuff like that. But there's still that bit of me that's like, well, this is something that is wrong. If I had a broken arm or or something and went in, 
I wouldn't come out with, you know, being told, no, it's all right, just get yourself a new T-shirt or something. You want the cast <laughs> yeah. and you want it fixed. And so I feel like that for me, it's sort of something that's not, I've not had a result. And if they tell me that, you know, it's it's not something that would ever be uh, fixable, fine. But I feel like it's at the moment kind of case still very much open. So, yeah, there's a lot of emotions going around. And the big one for me is sort of a bit of guilt, a bit of shame for kind of looking back at this and trying to explore it. Um, because also I've got to navigate the next 18 years, like when the boys are ready, it's going to be something that I talk to them about. Mm. And so, you know, it's an interesting question if we did have a third and that one was conceived naturally that is like, oh, well, what happened there? I don't, I don't know. Lots of, lots of things. Yeah, God, out. I mean, you can easily lose yourself, can't you? And what ifs, maybe, should we, I don't know. Da, da, da. I guess you just got to take each day as it comes and deal with what, what you have got right now. Um, but I can kind of understand any man mm. wanting to get to the bottom of what's going on. You know, yeah. and I think that's, I think it's great that you are doing that because a lot of men don't do that and, and don't want to get tested early and don't want to, yeah. don't want to speak to the GP, wouldn't want to go for an ultrasound. So no, it, it's fantastic that you're doing that. So yeah. So kind of what, what is next then? Have you got more comedy planned? Have you kind of got more, more kind of speaking coming up? You know, what, what's, what else is, is on the agenda for you? So at the moment we're doing, I mean, I'm working with, with Kevin and Gareth, um, who's a pretty fly for XXY and yeah. we're doing a kind of monthly man cave chat, which is trying to just normalize the kind of man chat all around mental health. It's called mm -hmm. the M&M show, so mental health and male infertility. Yeah. Um, and also uh, <laughs> like current affairs, but we haven't done much of that yet. But <laughs> uh, the tagline is like loose women, but with a bit more sass. Um, but at the moment we've kind of just covered our, our stories and we'll try and bring guests on yeah and i think for me is you know the raising the level of awareness and trying to give more people uh the knowledge and tools to be able to advocate for themselves in situations because mm -hmm. i think you know there is once you're in this community you you see the names you hear people and there's lots of men that are talking there's lots of men mm -hmm. that are sharing their experiences but there could be more and i think if any way i can involve myself and try and get more people um to feel in that place to feel a bit more confidence to ask to to know what to look for then that's great with regard to the kind of comedy stuff um i've actually got a couple of things lined up and i think it's just trying to build more into the there's probably more to do with the kind of semen analysis and the testing and different things as well mm. um so i will try a bit more material i think because mm -hmm. ultimately again it's another way to deliver the message. Um, previously, I mean, there's kind of Rod Gilbert's campaign and, and documentary that was on BBC a while back. Um, and I think, yeah, if it's another kind of way of dealing with the subject, then yeah. I'm all for it. And again, I do enjoy like the Jaffa to Gaffer would be an, a, a punchline somewhere along the way. And I will use some of the negative messaging, hopefully, to make people laugh whilst also raising awareness yeah. of what are some of the reactions. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of new to me. Like you say, it's the last six months and I just wonder at the moment, where can this go and hopefully, yeah, spread, spread the awareness, spread the message basically. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've, I've been in this, this game for quite a few years, especially the male fertility game, kind of more specifically last few years. And there's no doubt more and more men are starting to speak up, um, because they're given these platforms, you know, uh, they're given these opportunities and, and what I'm seeing is, if one man does it, then another man does it. And if we just keep doing that, then eventually 
we'll hopefully have enough men talking about it that it starts to become a normalized conversation. So I think what you're doing, Frank, is amazing. I think, you know, the, the stand-up comedy was brilliant. And I can absolutely guarantee that you speaking up, being open about your story will be making a massive difference and will encourage other men to do the same. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we will definitely share in the show notes the link to your um, stand-up comedy gig. It is absolutely outstanding. Any any guy who's listened to this or a couple that have been through fertility and listened to this, you must watch it. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. And look, we wish you all the best for the future, whatever that holds for you, whether it is, you know, more children, getting your your you know, your fertility investigated, whatever it is. Um, we wish you all the best and enjoying being dad to, to twins. What a, what thank a magical you so much. Outcome. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for all that you're doing as well. As I say, I think it's different people with different hats. I listened to Toby talking about racing and his male infertility journey on a recent podcast that you guys did and yeah. blown away. Um, so really appreciate everything that you're doing and for having me on. And um, hopefully I'll be able to share results with you after the 23rd and, and we'll have a bit of positive news from that yeah. end as well. But thank you. Brilliant. All right, mate. Thank you. Take care. Nice Ta-da. one. Take care. Cheers, Ian.